2: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Simply Vegan Podcast, With me, Holly Johnson, and my co-host, Gabriella Clark. Each week, we discuss the latest vegan news, taste test new products, and chat to some of the leading names in veganism. So, as always, we'll kick off today's podcast with our news and reviews, starting with uh, the news that Asda has launched a vegan butcher's counter in its Watford store. Um, this is running for six months as a trial so everybody get down there and make use of it obviously socially distancing and (laughs) and all that malarkey as well but um yeah I mean how amazing would that be to have a butcher's a vegan butcher's counter at every Asda store in the Mm. UK
3: what an amazing commitment to to veganism and making it accessible and and innovative um I was having a look at the images shared on the Asda PR team's Instagram and it looks really nice really sleek a new way to shop for for vegan products um and yeah just a a great idea a great way to support veganism
2: yeah and perfect for veganuary this month they've got um on the counter you can find bean burgers which I wouldn't necessarily associate with with kind of you know they're not really faux meats are they but then they've got the fake uh meat-free meatballs and even I think I saw mock lamb and vegan black pudding which yeah I'm not sure about those two but I have had vegan black pudding before actually at at a pub um, made from black beans so and it was nice but I never would have eaten black pudding before I was vegan is what I mean
3: yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Would have been the same for me, not something I would have chosen as a meat eater, but um, have f- uh, vegan friends who rave about it, um, the vegan options. So, yeah. And I think, you know, having these things out there, especially for people who are used to having the meat option in their diet, you know, giving it a go. And maybe in a butcher counter environment, you're not so committed to buying like a big pack of burgers or a big pack of sausages that you might not necessarily eat or enjoy and just trying the odd thing easing your way into to subbing out your usual meat with with vegan
2: options yeah and it's all got quite low price as well I think
3: um, yeah really affordable
2: and they've got cheese on cheeses on the vegan cheeses on the counter which is amazing and sort of sauces and things like that um, and alongside this they will be launching 22 new vegan products so a huge list which includes um chicken kievs chicken nuggets roast chicken pieces shawarma chicken pieces beef strips hoisin duckless wrap <laughs> the list goes on um vegan chow mein and even at the end of the list vegan batter mix the banana blossom now that really stood out to me because I, have you ever wow. had Have you ever had banana blossom fish and chips yes I have in a restaurant actually yeah did you like it I did yeah I've, I've had it at a local fish and chip shop um yeah it was kind of I don't know yeah I wasn't sure because they did these really nice um temper mushrooms and I think sometimes like though yeah I preferred the mushrooms to the banana blossom but it was yeah amazingly realistic and and nice and natural
3: yeah I think it I think you know having having this wealth of options I have to say I was in the supermarket on a Saturday and commented to my partner just the wealth of options that there is now I mean I know it's for January so there's a lot more there and they're much more proudly displayed in store easier to come by but even in the three-ish years since we've been vegan the leap in what's available is just incredible
2: what did we taste test this week we taste tested uh, future farms so this is the leading meat in brazil vegan meat should i say Um, and so we we've both had different products to try do you want to kick off with yours
3: yeah so I had the vegan sausages and the vegan meatballs and I have to say we were huge fans in our household Um, mostly actually in terms of texture so often with vegan meatballs or vegan sausages they can be a lot softer.
2: Yeah than, I, I find that yeah. Yeah
3: and um, a lot not necessarily a mushier texture but definitely a lot softer and these ones had a very realistic texture Um, not to the point where it would necessarily put me off and I think because the flavor wasn't overly mock meaty the texture just added a nice element to the dish and went kind of absorbed the flavors that we used so we made a delicious spaghetti meatballs that really like bulked up the the dinner and made it something different to what we'd normally have and then yeah sausages were just a great easy Saturday evening dinner so um we were quite big fans in our household and actually um really like the ethos behind the brand like a brand coming out of Brazil reading their um kind of mission statement about trying to buy back the Amazon one product at a time just thought that was a really really nice message nice initiative um and I really do think the products would apply would appeal sorry to um vegans as well as meat eaters because of how realistic
2: they were yeah so this is this range has launched in Sainsbury's this month so we are lucky enough to be some of the first people in the UK to try these products um so yeah I agree um with the meatball thing I, they do tend to go soft don't they so yeah mm-hmm. I'd be interested to try these then I find I have to if we do have vegan meatballs we put them in the oven and then sort of just drop them into the sauce at the last minute because otherwise yeah. they just go mushy so it's good to hear these sort of maintain their firm texture. They
3: definitely did. We just followed the instructions that said to uh, kind of fry them up in in a bit of oil in the pan. And then they went into a pasta sauce and then alongside the spaghetti. Really delicious um, and kept their, their firmness, their texture. Nice, different addition for us, having not had a meatball in so yeah. long. <laughs> um, really enjoyed them.
2: So I tried the other two products in the range, which were the Future Mints and the Future Burgers. The burgers are made with soy pea and chickpea proteins and they're lovely and big. You know, sometimes you get your burger and it's just a little bit disappointing, isn't it? (laughs) Um, Yeah, lovely, big and meaty. And yeah, a real hit. Um, I fed them to the boys in the house and um, yeah, I would definitely buy those again and then the mince, this again it's made from soy pea and chickpea protein um so realistic like freakishly realistic it really looks, yeah it looks the same um it it had the same texture i mean i really don't think a meat eater would know that they weren't eating real real mints um Yeah, I I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing for me. Definitely someone who's, you know, cutting out meat because, you know, perhaps uh, for the environmental reasons or for animal welfare. Um, Yeah, it was just so realistic. I mean, it wasn't sort of, you know, sometimes mince can be, as I remember rightly, uh, if I remember rightly, sort of grisly and slightly chewy sometimes. It wasn't like that. Um, okay. But it yeah, it just really held its its texture. Um, not too soft. And yeah, yeah, it was it was very good. Just, you know, if you if you're squeamish about meat, um, perhaps it's not for you. But if you're yeah, you just want a really good meat alternative then yeah, give it a go. That's definitely where I see this brand, like a great uh, option for
3: people who really want a realistic meat alternative. Yeah. Um, even the sausages, they were kind of meant to be like a very realistic pork sausage and they were very pink, right? Um, which was come from a, a beetroot powder, which made um. them that colour. But if, if I saw them without the packaging, I'd definitely be thinking, I'm not sure these are.
2: Vegan. <laughs> can I eat them sending them back
3: yeah exactly so um great if you have got maybe a mixed household where some people eat meat and some people don't I think they'd be a, a crowd pleaser for your non-vegans for sure
2: do you think they're better than Ri- the Richmond's meat-free sausages I haven't tried those. Oh, haven't you? Oh, I no. thought everyone had tried them. Well, they're sort of renowned now as being, the, well, a lot of people seem to think they're the best. They are very realistic. Um, so, I'd yeah, I'd be interested to try the, the Future Farms sausages alongside them.
3: I'll have to get the Richmond's ones in. I feel like I've missed a, a major... Yeah, <laughs> right of passage.
2: There, you have. You can't be a real vegan if you haven't had a Richmond meat-free sausage. <laughs> I know. What am I doing? I <laughs> will have to give you the sack, Gabriella. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Not real vegan.
2: <laughs> so, um, it, we thought we'd end the our news and reviews slot by just talking about any other sort of veganuary discoveries we've made this month. Is there anything else you've kind of seen in store that's caught your eye?
3: So I'd say from a brand kind of supermarket perspective I have been really impressed with how much innovation Marks and Spencers have brought out now disclaimer definitely not the most affordable yeah um, but some really innovative great um, products I'm yet to work my way through the ones that I've had my eye on but things like a fresh baked vegan cookie in the bakery section that caught my eye and then like a New York style salt beef sandwich with gherkins. Oh, mustard.
2: Oh, wow mm.
3: looks really good that's had quite a lot of attention on social so they are going to be on my list of things to try I think and um, And then I think I'm probably late to the party because this isn't necessarily new. However, I have tried properly for the first time,
2: Nomo chocolate.
3: Oh, yes.
2: Yeah. Not not missing out. I think it stands Mm. for, doesn't it?
3: Exactly. So, yeah, I think I'm late to the party. Well, I know I am because I know it's (laughs) hugely popular, but I um, treated myself to their fruit and nut uh, I don't think it's got nuts in actually I think it's fruit and rice puffed rice and I have to say it was probably up there with vego with the best vegan chocolate I've ever had really it was delicious
2: Ah, uh, I see I've tried that one and I wouldn't put it as I wouldn't say it's as nice as vegan. is it vego vego um, yeah but my daughter really likes the nomo ones um I like uh I think it's called tony's um, oh yeah huge i mean they're in I saw them in Waitrose and they are mega expensive, about three pound fifty, but they are big mm-hmm. um and we got the fruit and nut one of that was dark chocolate, and that was lovely.
3: Ah, oh, I have to give that one a try as well. I think yeah. I've tried the um the maybe the almond and sea salt dark chocolate from there, which oh, was also sounds good. Really good yeah, yeah
2: i um this isn't in no way new and i'm late to the party with it as well as a vegan but um liquid smoke i've just discovered it <laughs> wow I, I can't stop using it in everything it's amazing not. so i got it in my lo- local health food shop i'm not sure if they sell it in supermarkets i'm sure they must do but i've never sort of found i, mean, I haven't found it in tesco's or anything before um but yeah it's kind of like smoked sort of tamari or smoked soy sauce mm-hmm. and so I've started putting it in hummus to make sort of smoked hummus which is lush. wow and um I also well, what else have I put it in I've put it in chili when I make a bean chili um I've really put nice. it in uh, scrambled tofu I've basically just been smoking everything <laughs>
3: and it yeah it's really good delicious so nice to have like a new flavor to experiment with as well
2: yeah exactly and you can marinate things in it so I used it with the um over Christmas I did the so vegan smoked carrots instead of smoked salmon um, and cream cheese bagels um and I used it on that so yeah that was that was really nice that recipe actually kind of has like capers in it and dill that's really good sounds delicious yeah so that's that's my sort of product of the month
3: there's so much out there i also tried um from wicked kitchen in tesco's i saw that they had some vegan ice cream flavors and um, so i tried the mint chocolate one really good and so affordable compared to other vegan ice creams often when i've looked it's kind of around five pounds for a tub and this wasn't on offer and was two pounds
2: oh wow that's really good
3: yeah so I know it sounds like all I eat is vegan junk food I promise I've had lots of chickpeas and lentils and spinach and tofu alongside that to get through this January lockdown there has been some some sweet treats
2: this is it I think we've just got to go easy on ourselves I mean first it was Christmas and now it's lockdown January so you know we'll do all the all the plant-based healthy eating maybe next month (laughs) let's see see. (laughs) yeah well you know we we need to be reviewing these products gabriella for our listeners so we just need to uh we need to keep going with it
3: it's a tough job but (laughs) someone's got to do it
2: yeah oh brilliant well i'll see you this time next week perfect have a good week everybody see you soon next i'll be chatting to shireen kassam founder of plant-based health professionals
1: so hi Shireen how are you today no I'm well thank you Holly lovely to be able to chat
2: yeah thank you so much for joining us I've just been looking through your very long list of credentials do you want to start by telling us a little bit about your background
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess I tell people first that I'm a medical doctor. So I work for the NHS at King's College Hospital, where I'm a consultant haematologist. So looking after patients with lymphoma, which is a type of blood cancer, and um, also um, doing diagnostic work. So looking down the microscope and making the diagnosis of various blood cancers. Um, But more recently, I have um, shifted to doing that part time three and a half days a week. um, So I can and pursue my passion, which is really providing education on plant-based diets. And I have had the opportunity to be working with Winchester University um, one day a week where I have developed and facilitate a course on plant-based nutrition for healthcare professionals. So this is the second year of running that. um, And yeah, so that's been really great. And then in my spare, spare time, I um, am founder and director of a community interest company called Plant-Based Health Professionals UK, which I'm sure we'll come back to in a moment.
2: (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, I actually went to Winchester Uni. Oh, um, yeah, back in, um, well, I'm going to show my age now. I'm 42. So um, it was 97 to 2000 I was there.
1: Oh, wow. Um, how how interesting. Well, yeah. I don't know whether it was the same vice chancellor there at the time, Joy Carter, but she's vegan. And uh, it was sort of, uh, you know, an introduction from a mutual friend that kind of led to a job and a course. And uh, yeah, interesting times to come with them, I hope.
2: Amazing. I mean, is that the first of its kind, then, in, in this country.
1: Yeah. So obviously, there's lots of plant-based education and learning and things. But um, what I really wanted to do was sort of, you know, with all, everything that I I do is to kind of infiltrate the conventional and really wanted a university-based course that could be CPD accredited for health professionals. And yes, from as far as I know, it's the only university-based course for health professionals. Um, on the science and evidence supporting plant-based diets for it's called for optimal health and well-being and and it's a sustainable diet too as as we know
2: yeah so what would they do that course before then going on to do further training in medicine
1: no, well it's aimed at sort of the postgraduate um healthcare professionals, so GPs, dietitians, nutritionists, physiotherapists, etc., who are qualified, have a degree, have a background in healthcare, but are looking to sort of add to their toolkit, as it were, um, to be able to use nutrition as a part of their clinical practice. Um, because more and more we're realizing um as healthcare professionals that we're not really addressing the root cause of chronic illness. Uh, you know, we're really, um, as people say, we're a sick care, healthcare system, you know, we wait till somebody gets heart disease or type 2 diabetes or, or cancer. And then we deal with the consequences of what often is poor lifestyle choices. Um, that's not to say that these lifestyle choices are an active choice because sometimes people don't have a choice. But I think a lot of it comes down to a lack of education, and healthcare professionals are no different. They, you know, we don't learn much about health promotion, and we certainly don't learn much about um, a healthy diet. Um, and of course, you know, a healthy diet is not just one that's going to nourish us as humans. It's it has to be one that's going to sustain the planet um, beyond 2030. And at the moment, if we carry on the same dietary behaviours as we are now, um, you know, climate change and ecological crisis is going to make our lives really, really difficult beyond the next 10 years.
2: Yeah. So is this, I mean, is this obviously, you know, you're vegan and you're very passionate about this. Is it something that's Widely shared throughout the medical profession, or are we just sort of, you know, just at the very, very beginnings of change?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think change takes a long time in um, sort of medical curriculum and also sort of medical practice. You know, it's something like 10 years before, you know, a clinical trial that shows a positive results comes out and it being embedded into clinical practice. So in a similar way, you know, we've known for decades um, how um, to keep ourselves healthy, you know, what lifestyle choices and behaviours, including diet, um, will um, keep us healthy for longer and prevent chronic disease. And one of those um, lifestyle measures is a predominantly plant-based diet. So the science has been clear for a long, long time. But I, I think just sort of shifting so sort of um, societal and cultural norms and medical education just takes uh, a bit longer. So I think the science has been clear. Um, and we just get more and more science added to that state same narrative. Um, but just sort of embedding it into people's Um, sort of daily lives and behaviours is the challenge. And I do make the distinction between vegan and plant based diet, you know, I don't obviously don't need to tell you that you know, being vegan is is more about a social justice movement. And it certainly doesn't tell me or you what an individual is eating, it just tells us what we're not eating. Whereas my course and my education I do is really being honest about the data, which is that we have to stick to a diet that's made up of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts and seeds. Now, does it have to be 100%? Well, probably not. But you need to be 85 to 90% plant based to gain the health benefits, and also to have the knock on effects um, on environmental sustainability. Um, but I also make it perfectly clear that if your choice is to be 100% plant based diet, you can be certain that that is good for your health, and will keep you in in good health, for a, 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 you know, if you do it well, um, for a long time, hopefully.
2: Yeah, it's um, I mean, so what led you to go plant based, then? Was it all the, the evidence that you were kind of, reading up
1: on? Yeah, no, so I became vegan in the true sense of vegan back in 2013, having been vegetarian um, since about 2001. But suddenly, you know, I realised that eating dairy and eggs was no longer aligned with my ethics. So I'm an ethical vegan. um, But then it was the sort of knock on effect of um, researching what a healthy diet, a healthy vegan diet would look like for myself and coming across the medical evidence to support a plant-based diet in whatever fashion we decide to to call a plant-based diet. So 100% plant-based being vegan and, you know, predominantly plant-based, you know, kind of the flexitarian approach um, to things. So I was overwhelmed by all the evidence that was supporting this as a healthy diet pattern. You know, I didn't have to sacrifice my personal health um, for my ethical um, beliefs. Um, And I then sort of realized that nobody in the UK was really providing education on this area, specifically for healthcare professionals, you know, I was getting most of my education from the US, you know, from organizations we love and have done great work in the US like pcrm and the plantrition project and all my kind of go-to gurus were people like neil barnard and Ber- brenda davis from canada and and so they were dominating the education and you know what the uk is like we're a bit suspicious when um, it's not a uk nhs doctor talking about these mm-hmm. things so um that's where plant-based health professionals came from you know we have a mission to provide evidence-based education on healthy plant-based diets for healthcare professionals. But of course, you know, the general public are equally as interested, if not more. And ultimately we hope to be able to influence um, policy because there's so much noise and misinformation still out there. And I think there, there needs to be a credible NHS body that um, provides information for those who are willing to make the transition to a healthy plant-based diet.
2: Definitely. Is that something you're kind of working towards then?
1: Well I mean you know clearly we comment on all the sort of um, documents that come out that ask for feedback on policy and things but you know that's the difficult part to infiltrate isn't it to actually have an impact um, where the policymakers and government are enacting in, in, in policy and You know, sadly, I mean, I think it's quite clear that even though the government might sort of, you know, support healthy diets and, you know, understand the data supporting plant based diets, their actions are quite contradictory. You know, if you just think that in the first lockdown, the government spent a million pounds a million pounds of taxpayers money promoting milk consumption Mm. I think the campaign was called milk the moments and like you know consumers are not drinking dairy for a reason so why are we promoting something that a is not necessary for human health Um, it excludes communities of color because we're often lactose intolerant and it's damaging the environment Um, And then, you know, recently, the EU, um, you know, thankfully, we're not part of this, but the EU is supporting a campaign called Beefitarian, you know, promoting beef as part of a healthy, balanced diet. And so, at the moment, you know, the government and policymakers' actions do not seem to be aligned with um, public health policy nor environmental um, policy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, how can we get on board? You know, we go to the website, what is, what, you know, your kind of listeners um, who are frustrated like you are and myself, what can we do to, you know, try and implement change?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, I think we need to build a strong network of like-minded people. It doesn't have to be health professionals, just, you know, I think this is a grassroots movement, you know, all social change all policy change comes because people demand it. And, you know, as consumers, we have a lot of power, you know, we don't have to buy dairy milk, we don't have to buy red meat and processed meat um, in the supermarket. So I think we need to firstly educate ourselves, um, really understand what a healthy plant-based diet is, you know, make sure we are happy and able to dispel all these myths, um, and then use our voice and our actions to influence um. the the market forces, you know, because at the end of the day, as we know, you know, the industry, food industry will provide us with food um, and drinks that we are actually demanding. So I think we do have a lot of power in the individual. I think we need to build a network to have a strong voice um, in terms of, you know, making a fuss about these policies. So what I've tried to do um, is that Plant Based Health Professionals is a membership organisation. Membership fees is nominal, but of course, we all need a little bit of money to keep things like the website going and develop our fact sheets and put on our, you know, fortnightly webinars. So, you know, there's a nominal fee and join as a member. And then as a group, we can um, really use our, our power to to um, enact change so we're up to 600 members just within two years of membership without much advertising but you know if, if there's anyone listening join as a member support our work use our fact sheets and you know most of our most of our education is free um so just promote it you know you as an individual can download all our fact sheets from the website uh, you know give them to your healthcare professionals give them to your friends and colleagues and say you know this is an evidence-based movement it's not a woo-woo Science anymore, yeah. and you know, if we want to impact um, human and planetary health, there is no choice. We have to shift to a healthy plant-based um, diet.
2: I I find it very frustrating when I go. I mean, I don't go to the doctors hardly ever since going vegan, actually. But when I do go, or when I take my daughter, who's fourteen and vegan. Um, I, I sometimes find I must <laughs> sort of admitting this now um, that I avoid telling them that we're vegan because often, I mean, my mum tried going vegan. She's vegetarian and she um, had terrible heartburn. So and it, it was sort of, you know, becoming a bit of an issue. So she went to the doctors, told them that she'd stopped having dairy milk and, you know had gone vegan and they said well that's probably what it is then and you know you're and it's just crazy the almost hiding the fact that you're being really healthy from a gp
1: no i know it's so sad because you know we as healthcare professionals we have such credibility um and you know with that and with the amount of education comes quite a lot of um you know, being self-assured, you know, if I think back to seven years ago, before I'd even discovered all this information, you know, I might have come up with such nonsense as well, because, (laughs) you know, you learn to have this exterior self-confidence and always want to tell people what might be causing their illness, even if you don't have the knowledge. But I mean, I would, you know, hope that um, people wouldn't be making such judgments about a vegan diet, because as you know, you know, it's our kind of, meat based saturated fat heavy diet that is is probably a greater cause of heartburn than uh, than a, a vegan diet and clearly telling somebody that you're vegan doesn't tell you what they're eating so I mean I don't know what your mum was doing whether you know it was a healthy vegan diet or there were some tweaks to make but yeah it's just a shame that somebody who probably isn't vegan so doesn't know the data hasn't really um taken the time to update themselves um then Passes a judgment, which it, you know discourages somebody from making a good conscious decision about their diet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: so, with your patients, I know you specialise in it's cancer patients, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, do you do you kind of tell them to start eating a plant-based diet? Do you do you help them transition?
1: Yeah. So, you know, of course. When When you give somebody a diagnosis of cancer, in my case it's for lymphoma, you know everyone asks, "Well, what can I do? What can make a difference?" you know and and life is made very easy for me now. Um, you know, if you look at the World Cancer Research Fund guidelines on cancer prevention uh, on uh, using diet and physical activity, um, and these recommendations are the same for anyone that's had a diagnosis of cancer it's quite clear, there's nine recommendations. And one of them says eat a diet rich in fruits, vegetables, whole grains and um, beans. And to me, that's a predominantly plant based diet, it says avoid red meat and processed meats, avoid sugar sweetened beverages, you know, and all the unhealthy processed foods. So, you know, the science is quite clear, and it's written down in guidelines. So I tell people, you know, clearly eating a predominantly plant based diet is optimal for Cancer, um, you know, the cancer journey and for improving survival after a diagnosis of cancer. Now, obviously, for lymphoma, which is quite a rare cancer, there isn't any direct evidence that, you know, diet causes lymphoma, of course not. But I think, you know, we're in a lucky position where a lot of um, lymphoma, um, patients with lymphoma, um, can be cured. And then in the long term, the risks are things like cardiovascular disease and second cancer. So I think where it comes into its own is, you know, thinking about improving survivorship and quality of life following on from Um, the cancer treatments that um, I deliver. Um, So, you know, just keeping well after cancer. And again, you know, nobody's going to dispute that a healthy plant predominant plant strong diet. And I don't use the word vegan because it's the wrong word to use and it's nothing to do with my patient's care, but I'm telling them what the um, science and the general recommendations for a healthy diet. And if you look at even the Eat, Eat Well Guide, you know, the UK's dietary guidelines, two-thirds of it is, is, is um, you know, plant-based. Um, and it clearly says choose beans over meat for your plant protein. And in, it it, um, it demonstrates that you can have soya and, and dairy alternatives, for example. Um, and, you know, dairy is not a food group as such. It's just a, a you know, a, a food that's part of the plate, but not the necessary component.
2: Yeah. Wow. So... I mean, do you do people kind of follow that then? Do they, you know, switch their diet or? Yeah,
1: I think, you know, we we see a spectrum of people in the NHS, as you might imagine. And at King's College Hospital, where I'm in southeast London, clearly, there's a spectrum of socioeconomic um, uh, sort of class as well. So you've got some quite uh, wealthy areas like Dulwich and then you've got some less wealthy areas and an immigrant population sort of the Camberwell area and you know people's um immediate concerns are very different so um, you know somebody uh, immigrant whose visa is is precarious whose whose livelihood risk, you know depends on them turning up to work and me telling them that they've got a diagnosis of cancer that requires them to have six months off work you know their priorities are very different and food insecurity is a real issue so you know cho- it may not be a choice you know if you're going to food banks etc to suddenly Think that a plant-based diet is going to be possible for that individual, whereas you know somebody coming from a higher higher um, economic um, background will will already know the basics. You know, there's no nobody's going to dispute that fruits and vegetables are good for you and all that sort of thing, and they're going to be the kind of green smoothie drinking person. So, I think everyone's at a different spectrum. You know, I give people information. I tell them to come back to me with their questions. I and you know, give them information about local support groups and, and things. Um, but you know, most people are discharged back to their GP. You know, we discharge them after a couple of years of follow up, and and so it's difficult to know for certain the long term impact um and as you say if they go back to a gp who's going to say well have start drinking dairy again then yeah. you know <laughs> it's all that good work is undone so yeah. um it, it's difficult to know but you know sadly we know that only 28 percent of uk adults are actually eating five portions of fruits and vegetables a day so we've got a long way to go and i suspect my patients are no different
2: some of the research you've taken part in um can you tell us about that was there was there some research about chemotherapy?
1: Uh, well, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I did um, do a PhD during my training and looking back on it, it seems a, a bit a sort of uh, of a coincidence that it actually was a sort of nutrition based um, project that I, I did. Because at the time, I didn't really have any interest at all in, in nutrition. But um, I was working with a cancer pharmacology group at BART. cancer centre and they had an interest in looking at high doses of selenium um, which is you know a micronutrient found in food um, and its impact on enhancing the effects of um, chemotherapy and there'd already been a bit of um, data in the setting of solid um, tumour treatments um, but Um, I was investigating whether there could be a role of adding high doses of selenium to standard chemotherapy for lymphoma. Um, So I mainly did sort of the lab side of um, uh, things. Um, uh, You know, to be clear, I wasn't doing animal experiments. I was doing um, experiments using cells derived from human cancers. Um, and looking at the sort of in-laboratory effects of adding um, high doses of selenium. And, you know, the, the, um, the data looked encouraging, but, um, you know, it reflects the sad state of science at the moment, actually, and that, you know, we geared up to do a clinical trial. So putting patients with um, uh, lymphoma um, on high doses of selenium during um cancer treatment. And we'd got funding from Cancer Research UK. Um, and we teamed up to, with a nutraceutical company to give us um, the, the selenium and uh, form. Um, but as it turned out, you know, that company wasn't able to provide the the funding for indemnity that was needed you know that a pharmaceutical company would be able to to provide and have have the backing to do and so it sort of fell flat and never actually got off the ground and so um, you know, uh, it's very difficult as an investigator to um, enact a clinical study without the help of big pharma, and yeah. you know, big pharma have their own questions to answer. Nobody's really interested in making a buck out of in nutraceuticals at the end yeah. of the day. But having said that, I think um, I realised that you really can't take the nutrient out of food and think that you're going to have a, an amazing impact, um, because studies before um, have shown that, you know, for example, taking high doses of um, selenium to try and prevent prostate cancer actually didn't have an effect and might increase the risk of type 2 diabetes and high doses of vitamin E increase the risk of lung cancer. So you you have to stick with the whole food. and, And when it comes to nutrients, it's best to get them from Um, your diet because high doses in purified form has sort of off-target effects that are often unpredictable
2: right so what's selenium found in is it brazil nuts
1: yeah yeah so you can get um your daily requirement from one to two um brazil nuts a day so it's a good um sort of add-on to the healthy plant-based diet uh, when you're having your portion of nuts to have one or two brazil nuts in your handful
2: yeah okay Oh well, thank you so much for chatting to us. What I mean, what are your hopes for the future?
1: Yeah, well, I'm. I hope that um, we, as a healthcare community, come together and use diet and nutrition a as a tool for helping patients become healthy um, and you know achieve optimal health and well-being. Because the sad state of affairs is that. The last 12 years of our lives in the UK are spent in ill health and it's really not necessary because 80% of those chronic illnesses could be addressed through healthy diet and lifestyle. And I really hope that that information is taken on board by policy makers because we need to make healthy, nutritious food accessible and affordable to all communities regardless of their educational and financial backgrounds. And I I think we're failing on, on those two aspects Um, and i you know in addition i hope that with all the noise being made about climate and ecological crisis that um, we follow the science and the science says that unless we move to predominantly plant-based diet there is going to be no hope for us Um, and we've been told we've been warned um so we can all act as individuals and make that shift
2: yeah um, just one more point. What, as, as a vegan, how do you feel about, um, you know, the the sort of huge array of processed vegan food that's kind of hitting the, the shelves, especially in Veganuary? There's so many new launches.
1: I know. I'm a bit suspicious, and I'm not a big <laughs> fan. I can see a place for transition, you know, the real sort of that the person who really loves the taste of meat and, you know, otherwise wouldn't consider giving up meat unless there was a sort of similar substitute. I think there's a role, but but we know what's going to happen. If everyone shifts to a processed food, vegan diet, our health problems are going to remain the same. I mean, yes, we will help the environment and yes, we will um help the animals. And as a vegan, I can only endorse that. Um, But I think the dark side of it is really is that industry is just making a buck out of us, you know, it's just fueling the same capitalist model. And these vegan products are expensive. And it's kind of also fueling that myth to that the people say, Oh, well, it's expensive, because your plant based burger or pseudo meat burger is, you know, going to be 30% more expensive. Well, yeah, it is. But the point is, you don't even need to be eating those foods. And, and, you know, an actual healthy plant-based diet made from whole plant foods, you know, from raw ingredients is actually really cheap. So I, I'm on the fence. Um, for me, I, I don't advocate the use of it because I think for human health and as a health professional, we know that processed and ultra-processed food is harmful to human health. Um, but, you know, do I indulge now and again? Of course I do. It's lovely to have some vegan cheese, etc. It's just, we need to have use it in 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 small quantities um, and not get addicted like we were addicted to the um, usual processed foods yeah
2: Well I'm attempting to do whole food plant-based for January because um, on the podcast we did quite a lot of taste tests in the run up to Christmas which did involve um, you know the pseudo meats and things Mm -hmm. like that trifles and all sorts of kind of (laughs) naughty foods so yeah I'm attempting to try and get back because when I first went vegan I did go plant-based whole food and Mm -hmm. and I felt fantastic but you kind of it's a slippery sort of Slope, isn't it?
1: Kind
2: of off mm. the right path. <laughs>
1: and, um, so yeah. yeah, yeah, it's convenient, and you know, cooking yeah. from scratch can can take a bit longer than obviously just you know heating up a burger or a sausage or a, or a lasagna or whatever. Yeah. Um, but um, anyway, but we've got some lovely recipes on our website that might you might be encouraged. Okay. Um, buy some new things and um, we also hold fortnightly webinars and we've got one tonight um, that will keep you motivated because as i say you know we all need reinforcement that for the reason as to why we're doing it if you want to keep healthy etc then clearly a a whole food plant-based diet rather than a you know processed plant-based diet will will definitely be the best option for you
2: yeah well thank you well i'd encourage all listeners Um, and myself I'll be heading over to the plant-based health professionals website and Mm -hmm. um, I think I'll become a member oh thank uh, you (laughs) so thank you so much for joining us and um, we look forward to hearing more from you
1: no thanks Ollie and thanks for having me on